0: Well, good morning. Welcome to Soul City Church. Those of you who are gathered here in this space and those of you who are gathered in the corner classroom or overflow space, we're so glad that you are here today. My name is Jarrett Stevens, I'm one of the lead pastors here. And we are in the middle of a teaching series called Beyond Me. We're asking God to teach us and show us what it means to live lives bigger than ourselves. How do we get past ourselves and give ourselves to something bigger than ourselves? And specifically this week, we're going to talk about that act. How do you give of yourself To something bigger than you. We're going to talk about that little thing that you're holding in your hand, that little dime that you are holding in your hand. What is it that God might want to do with the resources that he's entrusted to you? How do you make this worth more than it already actually is? How can you be a part of something that God is doing in this city and around the world through something even so small and simple as this. We're going to talk about something that Jesus talked about again and again and again in the Bible. In fact, there really aren't any other subjects other than the kingdom of God or a relationship with God that Jesus talked about more than money. And the reason is not because he was obsessed with money, it's because he knows that we are. And he knows what it can do to our soul. And so we're going to look to wisdom from the Bible today about what we do with this stuff. Because here's the hope for our time together. When you get who this is from, when you get that little dime. All the little dimes that are in your bank account right now, or that aren't in your bank account right now. When you get who this is from, you get what it's for. When you get who this is from, who this comes from, how God provides for your life, when you get that, then you begin to get what it actually is for and how it can go beyond just you in your life. So I'm excited for us to get into that together. A couple weeks ago, I was down in St. Louis speaking at a great church that we're partnered with. Love that church. And afterwards, one of the guys there was on staff as a pilot. And he goes, hey, would you want to go up? It's a beautiful day. You want to go up for a quick flight? I'm like, yeah, that's like a pre-flight flight? Yes, take me up. And so the church is located five minutes from this airport where his plane was at. So I drove like within 15 minutes of taking a microphone off, I was in an airplane. And I was we like did the whole thing. It was just me and him, in this little plane. And so he's an amazing pilot. And he takes me up. And I'd never seen the St. Louis Arch before. would never seen it before. And so he got to fly me around the St. Louis Arch. How cool was that? And I got to look down and try and imagine where Nellie was. And it was a, it was a great... It was a very meaningful time for me. And, uh, and then we're, we're coming back in, this thought hit me, maybe a little too late. Like if something were to happen to him while we were flying, I have no idea what to do next. I've seen this in movies. I don't even know what this does. I don't even know what this does. And it hit me that I've entrusted my life to a, set of, a certain set of skills that he has, a knowledge that he has, that I don't have. But I completely put my trust in him. In fact, the reality is anytime you fly, that's what you do. That'll freak you out next time you fly. <laughs> you don't like, I couldn't tell you how it works, how a plane works. I could not. He could. I can't. But I trusted the fact that he knew how. In fact, there's all kinds of things in your life that you experience, that you encounter. You have no idea how they work. You just count on them to work. Or you hope that they work. Like, just think about more on the ground stuff here. Take, like, stoplights in our city. You hope that those work, yes? And you know when they do because you get a red light ticket sent to you in the mail. <laughs> but, you, but you're hoping, and you, maybe you can explain, but my hunch is you can't explain how it all works and how they know how to plan for and prepare for traffic flow and all that kind of stuff. You just assume it's going to work and you count on everyone else playing by those rules. Think about like even just something as simple as you use every day like Wi-Fi. Can you explain to me how that works? I don't say yes because you couldn't even explain how dial up works. You know, none of us <laughs> totally know, but like, here's the reality I can talk to my wife halfway across the world on my phone in video, in real time. That's amazing. I have no idea how it works. And if afterwards you want to send me an email explaining to me how Wi Fi well, works, well, here's how Wi Fi works in America. We're limited by a certain se- I don't want to hear that. This sermon is not about Wi Fi. That's next week. What this week is about is the things that you encounter and experience on a daily basis and you have no idea how they work. There are so many things that you use, that you count on, you depend on. In fact, there are certain things that you even trust your life to, but you have no idea how they actually work. Church should not be one of those things. Church shouldn't be one of those things. And yet I feel for so many of us, we just kind to come and it's like, isn't this awesome? It's all here and it all works and it's amazing. But you've never even stopped to think about how it actually all works. So over the next few moments, what I'd like to do is I want to explain something to you that you can and you should know. I want you to know how this all works. I want to explain something to you that you can and that you should know. And then at the end, I want you to know something that I can't possibly explain to you, that I could spend the rest of my life trying to explain to you, but it's better left experienced by you, and that's the loving goodness of a provider God. I can't possibly explain to you how all that works, but I want you to experience that, so let me explain to you what I can, and that you should know these things you should know. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Maybe you've been coming to Soul City Church for a while, now. maybe this is your first time, so let's just, I want you to think about this specific church. I want to pull the curtain back a little bit. I want you to think about this church. Maybe you love this church, and you come here like every week every other week. You, you come when you can, okay? And, and we're glad that you do, all right? And so when you come, boy, you love it. You walk in, you love the vibe, you love the experience, the level of excellence that you see. You love the music. You want to see how Patrick's doing his hair this week. You're so excited to like experience that worshipful moment, right? And you love what's going on all around the church. You love the teaching, probably mostly the teaching. That's the thing you love the most. And you just experience it all and you really love, but you don't, you've never even stopped to go, how does this all actually work, like day in, day out? Or maybe for you, your relational world has been changed by God through this church, or you've met friends here that may be lifelong friends, roommates that you now have because of this church, boyfriends, girlfriends, spouse, you met your spouse here, or your future spouse here, or you're hoping to meet your future spouse today, <laughs> and that's why you're here. But you've never stopped to ask, like, but... How does this actually all, how does this all work? I mean, my life's relationally has been changed, but I've never even stopped. Maybe you have kids who are upstairs in Soul City Kids right now. And oh my gosh, how great is Soul City Kids? You love that your kids love church. And they do. In fact, they probably dragged you here today. And they know the teachings of the Bible. They're hearing about the transformational love of Jesus every week. And they're learning the Bible and engaging in creative ways. And they're singing the songs. And you love that every week you can drop your kids off in a safe, loving environment. And those leaders and volunteers are going to care for and partner with you and your kids. You love it so much that some of you don't even check them in. You just kind of throw them up the stairs, get your coffee, and get in here as quick as you can. You love it. But you've never even stopped to think about, well, how does that all work? How does that all happen every week? I depend on it, but I've never even stopped to think how that all works. Or maybe for you, you've you found Jesus here at this church. You started a transformational relationship with him. Your life has literally been wrecked by God here. Or your friend's life has, and you've stood with them at their baptism or your spouse's hard heart has been softened here. Your marriage has been restored here. Family patterns and dynamics have been changed and shaped and redeemed by God here. But you never, for one second, even stop to think, but how does that, how does that all work? Well, I, I want to explain something to you that you can and that you should know. And I want to talk with you for a moment about how it all kind of works, at least From a financial perspective, as we hold these dimes in our hand and consider what God might want to do in and through us, I want you to know this. You should know this. It's my responsibility to help you take responsibility with what I'm about to share with you. So here's the deal. I want to run some numbers by you because I know everyone loves numbers. And so I want to run some numbers. I asked our stewardship team. They're they're a, a group of volunteers who help guide and direct and give accountability to every dollar that we receive and every dollar that we spend. Amazing, amazing people. And so I had them pull some numbers. And so what I want you to do is the first one we're going to play a little game with. I want you to guess how much you think it costs to run this church, this specific church, each month. And I want you to think about a number. How much do you think it costs to run this whole church every month? Monthly cost. Take a, pick a number guess. And here's the deal. Yeah, it's like Price is Right. Here's some of you saying it out loud. If you guess right, you win the church. So that's <laughs> just don't go over. All right. All right. So do you know how much it costs to actually run this church every month? is what it costs. Now, that may be higher than you thought. That may be lower than you thought. You were like, I just thought it all ran itself. Well, here's the reality. Here's the reality. A couple years ago, God provided through some amazing folks in our church the ability for us to actually buy this property. Do you know that we bought property in the fastest-growing neighborhood in Chicago? God provided for us this space and has provided space for us next to us. We call it the bog, the muddy parking pit next to us. So we, we pay for this space. It costs money to use this space. You've got to pay for this space and all that comes in and out of the space. So we pay for ministry, and it costs to do ministry, to love and serve people the way that we do. Do you know this? This is what's so amazing to me. I don't know if you've ever stopped and noticed that this, just from Monday to Saturday in our building this last week, 1,022 people came in and out of our building. Monday to Saturday, that's before we even got to Sunday. That's an incredible level of ministry, and there's a cost that comes with doing that. There's staff that we pay. We want to hire the best possible staff to serve you, to serve God with excellence, and you know, then there's also 10% of our budget that we give, and we steward to give away like the Bible teaches. We take 10% of what we have as a church, and we invest it in our ministry partners here in the city, because we believe that's a principle that applies to churches, not just people, So there's cost that comes with that. Now, I want to share with you how much our church receives every month. I just want you to know this, all right? So this is what, what do you think our church, if it costs $142,000 each month to run this place, what do you think on a monthly basis our church actually receives through gifts and tithes and offerings and all that kind of fun stuff? Have a number in your head. $175,000. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? $175,000 every month comes through this church entrusted to God and to be led and stewarded really, really, really well. And I don't know how that sounds to you. That's actually pretty amazing. I mean, it is actually pretty amazing. And you may be thinking like, well, wait, just do the math. Like, we're good. Like, right? We're We're in the black. Like, if we just kind of hold the course, at the end of the year, we'll divide it all up and throw a huge party. I mean, this is not... This is not hard, right? (laughs) Well, the reality is you are a part of, forever long you've been here, a part of a growing church. I thank God that we have all the problems of a growing church and all the challenges of a growing church. This is a growing church. And you know what's really fun? God keeps bringing people who never thought they would ever go to church to this church. God keeps bringing people who, for whom that's not even a part of their story, or maybe it was when they were a kid, but it's been so long since they've been, and they come here and they feel the love of God in this place. They're welcomed by you, and they keep coming. And so often, for the folks that God is growing our church with, these are folks who aren't familiar. They they've never heard all my amazing talks on giving (laughs) before. And so they don't come into our church, all the people that keep coming, just look around, this room's full, we got overflow. They don't come in going, hmm, this is amazing. I want to start giving to this. We don't expect them to come in with that framework. But there's people all around you right now in this room who are taking steps towards God or back towards God. And that is a powerful thing. This church is growing and healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. And thank God this church is growing. Now here's the reality there's an interesting thing that happens. The more church grows, there's not an automatic correlation between people coming to church and people giving to church. It just doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. Because more and more people, people keep coming. They don't, you know, they're kind of getting in, checking it all out. They don't know that this is a part of, for people who are in relationship with God, this giving to God is part of who we are and what we do. And they don't know that. And so what ends up happening is you end up growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. And you got to wonder, okay, so like, who's sustaining all this? Obviously, God provides, but how does all of that actually work? Well, thankfully, there are a group of people who get who this is from and what it's for at this church. And I'm going to share with you just a, a few numbers. This is what's so fun. I already told you 1, 000, uh, Sorry, that 1,077 people come through our church this last week. That's before Sunday. Do you know that uh, right now, among adults, just adults, there's over 2,100 adults that call Soul City Church home? that come regularly. Every other week is about what people come. So if you felt bad about coming every other week, there's a lot of other people that do that too. You're fine, okay? No guilt. 2,100 adults. We're not talking kids at all. That's just adults. Hey, that's pretty amazing. Look how small this room is. <laughs> that's a lot of folks. I don't know how it happens every week without fire code violations, but it does, <laughs> and it happens. So about every, on, on the average month, 2,100 adults Call this church home. All over the city, call this church home. Now, I want you to try and take a guess of how many of those folks, what number of those folks actually give in some capacity to the ministry and the work of this church. Just have a number in your head, what you think that might be. Just get a number. How many of those 2,100 adults, just talking adults, give? Well, the the truth is uh, 383 of those 2,100 give. So, And that's just giving in some capacity. We talk about this all the time, that there's grippers, tippers, and givers. Grippers are the people who are like, not my money. <laughs> tippers are like the people who, when the bucket goes, are like, hey, good job, God. And they throw in a couple of bucks, right? Well-intentioned. You know, it's like, hey, this, you know, do you solid, right? It's totally fine. It's a great place to start. And then there's givers. There's givers, right? So I'm talking about all of those equal up to 383 people that actually give. People who give regularly and consistently at our church, 185. There's 185 out of 2100 adults, we're just talking adults, that give regularly. Now, why would I, why does that matter? Why am I talking about that? Well, because the regular givers, those 185, thank God for them because that's what we set budgets by. That's how we know how we can extend our ministry reach. That's how we know we can bring on a new partner. That's how we know we can have new hires. That faithful, regular, consistent giving is how we as a church can be financially responsible as God continues to grow this church. Thank God for the 185 of you who give regularly and faithfully and consistently. You have no idea the impact that it's making. Just look around you. See what God is doing through your faithfulness. So, I know you love numbers. Let me give you one last set of numbers. What does that mean? That means that about 18% of our church gives. Somehow, some way, Tippers or givers. And about 9% give regularly. That ongoing, faithful, consistent. They've done what my wife and I have done. Our whole staff has done. We've set it up. We do it online. We love just like, because I know if left to myself, I will grab as much for myself as I can. So we've set it up online. 9% of our church, yep. I'm in. I'm going to give faithfully, joyfully, consistently, regularly to God. 9% of our church. Now, where does that number sit with you? Like, how does that, What does that stir, stir up in you? I don't know about you. First thing for me, thank God. Thank God for those faithful folks who, who get it, who get who this is from and what it's for, and they give. I mean, literally, your life has been shaped and changed because of their faithfulness and God's provision. Just, it's just true. That's just amazing. I thank God for the folks who give, who just get it and they give faithfully. Now, does that mean that for those who give, like we treat them better, we give them like VIP status, you know, primary parking in the muddy bog. Like, like if you're a giver, do you get treated differently or better than those who don't? Absolutely not. Not at Soul City Church. God will in heaven, but not... not no, just kidding. Oh, I love it. Nope not even theologically accurate at all just had to put that out there no we don't we actually don't because here's the thing what what we found is we have a mantra at our church and our mantra is everyone's accepted everyone's expected to grow everyone's accepted everyone is accepted that means it doesn't matter doesn't matter what you make doesn't matter what you earn doesn't matter what you save doesn't matter what you keep doesn't matter what you give you're welcome and wanted here we love that you're finding god through this church and the second half is true too Everyone's expected to grow. All of us have room to grow. When it comes to giving to God gratefully out of what he's given to us, all of us, that means me and you, have room to grow. And as I look at our church and I see that 9% of our church is faithfully, consistently, joyfully giving to God, I would say maybe you would too. We've got room to grow there. All of us do. All of us have room to grow when it comes to giving to God. And so what I want to do is help paint a picture for what that looks like biblically. So I want you to grab a Bible and I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's page 807 in the Gray Bible. If you don't have a Bible, here's a real fun thing. Your tithe dollars at work, here it goes. The Bible's in the seat back. There's a Bible in every seat back or in front of every seat. Those are provided for people who give here at Soul City Church. They gave so that you could have a Bible. And here's the fun part. If you do not own a Bible at all, you're serious about God, please steal a Bible from church today. <laughs> Nothing would make us happier than you stealing a Bible from church today, because we want you to grow, and we want you to ch- check this stuff out for yourself. Grab a pen. We're going to write some things down, circle a few things. Second Corinthians chapter 9, uh, this is a letter that Paul is writing to a church and in this particular part of this letter to this church in Corinth, he's talking about giving just like we are, honestly and openly just like Jesus did. What does that mean to give, specifically to meet the needs of another church in their area that was struggling? And so Paul's talking to them about giving in the heart of giving and what it looks like to give to God out of gratitude. So this is what it says. Let's jump down to verse seven. Each of you should give what you have. What's the word? Decided, circle that word, because that word shows that there's intent, there's prayerful planning. It's not just on a whim, it's not just because you feel, you know, either motivated for whatever reason. It's that you've decided, you've determined, you've set aside in your heart to give to God. Each of you, now it's going to look different for all of us, but each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Now I love what Paul says here, not reluctantly. Or under compulsion. I love it. It's not like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. That's reluctantly. Or that's compulsively. Those two sounds let you know what he's talking about here. (laughs) He says, because God actually loves a, what's the word? A? Do you believe that? That God is not a God of guilt or obligation. That's not God. That may be religion. That's not God. That's not how he operates. He loves you. He longs for you to be free. So God loves when you cheerfully have determined in your heart and set aside, you know what, I'm actually going to do this. I've wanted to do this. I've meant to do this. I see that there's room to grow. I am going to do this. God says, I love it. And God then says, let me show you what I do, what only I can do when you do what only you can do. Only you can determine in your heart and set to give and give cheerfully. God will not make you do that. Praise God. He will not make you do that. That's on you. God says, now let me tell you what's on me, what I do that only I can do. Verse eight, and then God is able to bless you abundantly. That word there means like more and more and more than you can even fathom abundantly. Now, I love Paul's point that he makes here. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound, you will have abundance, you will abound in every good work. Isn't that amazing? God says, look, I'm going to bless you with what you need so that everything that you put your hand to will be blessed, that you will actually experience my blessing, not only in receiving what I've provided for you, but in the things that you actually do. This is what's so amazing. God says, I don't want you to give out of guilt or compulsion. No act of gratitude has ever come from guilt. Guilt does not lead to gratitude. God says, no, no, no. Let this lead you, that I'm a good God, and I provide for you, and you can actually trust me. You do what only you can do. You determine and settle in your heart. Watch what I do. Watch what I do as I continue to pour out my goodness and greatness in your life. And I will do what only I can do. I will bless you in ways that you could never imagine or do on your own. I will keep taking care of you. That's what I've always done. That's what I will always do. That's who I am. See, when I get that, that that's who God is, and that's what this is really actually all about, shifts, a shift happens in my heart. Because what begins to happen is this spirit of gratitude begins to grow in me that this stuff, all of it, no matter how much of it I have or I want or I don't have, but all of it actually comes from God. When I get that, gratitude actually begins to grow in my heart, and it's gratitude that actually grows my giving. Not guilt, not obligation, not expectation, not religious duty. Gratitude. Gratitude, when I get how good God is and how he's blessed me or taking care of my family, when I can do an honest assessment and I see his activity in my life and I could never accomplish on my own, gratitude actually grows in me and that gratitude grows my giving. Paul goes on to say, let me just explain to you just how good God is. Verse 10, now he who supplies seed for the sower says, and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. A lot of metaphors going on here. Unless you are in the seed export industry, this is not directly applicable to you. What Paul is talking about here is a metaphor and I want you to look at. He talks about seed. Seed gives way to bread. Bread gives way to this harvest, this overflowing storehouse of harvest. What Paul is saying here is that I want you to understand that God is in the whole supply chain, In fact, God is the supply chain for your life. Every little thing, every big thing, He is the one. And when we get that, when we recognize that and see that, something begins to grow in us. He calls it like a harvest of righteousness, of right living, of seeing the world as it actually is through God's eyes. And then Paul goes on to say this You will be, what's the word? You will be enriched. Isn't that a great play on words? You will be enriched. You will have so much. You will be enriched in every way so that, now that's what I love, he turns the corner. Do you remember how he talked about how God will provide for you at all times, all that you need in all circumstances? Paul says you will be enriched so that you can be, what's the word? Generous on every occasion. Now you get to be that blessing. And through your generosity, through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And what Paul is talking about here is as we, Give out of gratitude. This crazy thing actually begins to happen just as gratitude grows my giving, my giving actually grows gratitude. Only God can work out that math. When I get how good God is, that he is is the supply chain, he takes care of every need in my life, always has, always will. When I get that, gratitude begins to grow in my life. And so as I respond by giving to God and saying, God, I want to set aside a portion. I want to set aside this for you. I believe that this is from you, God. So I'm going to set this aside for you. This crazy thing begins to happen. Gratitude begins to grow in your life. And the more you give, the more you go, "God, God, I love, I love giving to you. I'm telling you, that's actually a real way that you can live. God, I love, I love seeing your goodness on display and I love giving to you. And the more I give to you, God, the more grateful I actually become. This is completely counterintuitive to our world. Because our world says the more you have, the happier you are. God says the more you give the more joy you have, the more growth occurs, the more transformation actually occurs in your life. The more I become aware of who it all comes from, the more I begin to get what I'm to do with what God has entrusted to me and to you. Now, I would love to tell you that this has been true of me my whole life. It is today. I genuinely love giving to God. I can tell you that with authority and integrity. My wife, Jean, and I love giving to God, but that has not always been my story. Real quick, my story, just so you know where I'm coming from, I, I grew up in church. I mean, I literally grew up in a church. I was born in a baptismal. Like, grew up in <laughs> church, right? I'm truly great church, and I did the whole thing. I did Sunday school. I did VBS. I did youth group. I did the whole thing. Like for graduations, my parents bought me Bibles. Thank you very much. All right. So that's who I am. That's where I'm coming from. Grew up hearing messages just like this, all about how good God is and what it means for me to respond and take responsibility with my response to God, and I heard all of that. So when I got my first job when I was 14, you would think that that was the time where I said, Lord, I will dedicate these resources to you. Not at all. That didn't happen at all. First job at 14. Second job at 15, where actually the paycheck was on top of the table, not under the table. And so I got paid, and I was actually like, I had a bank account, and I opened that all up. I had, by the time I was 17, I had my first mall job. And I learned that there are layers to hell. (laughs) I was in the third layer of hell on the second floor of that mall. And now I'm finally, I'm I'm making some real money. For 17 years old, it's happening. By the time I'm 19, I actually have three jobs at one time, three different jobs. One of them was for the church that I had grown up in. So you'd think surely by the time, you know, I'm 19, 20, I'm making some money that, I mean, that's when I started giving to God. You know, I'm a product of the church, and this is something I just like. nope, left to myself, I'm going to hold on as much as I can. And so then when I met Jeannie, we got married, we committed to each other, we prayed, we said we want our marriage to be built on biblical principles, we want God to be at the center. And so when we got married, you know, making our meager little paychecks, we actually worked for a pretty big church, and so we gave faithfully, but I, I felt like, what's my little gift Like, my gift could fall on the floor, and they'd never notice, right? Like, that's how I felt in this big church. But we gave faithfully. We gave joyfully. You know, it's like, all right, here's our stuff, and it's good. But I'm going to be honest with you, over the decade or so that we did that, I'd love to tell you that something like more gratitude grew in me, but I think I was just doing it because I knew it was the right thing to do. And then maybe, if I'm being honest, I was kind of maybe trying to buy God off a little bit, like, see, I'm good to you, so make sure you're good to me. (laughs) And maybe you've heard the story. It wasn't until we set and determined and heard from God about starting this church in Chicago a church for our friends, a church for everyday ordinary folks to come and find the transformational love of Jesus. And we took everything we'd built up over those 12, 13 years and literally kind of slid it across the table and went all in and said, Gay okay, God, our life savings, it's all yours. I mean, everything we have, like, we, we, God, we give it to you. Like, we're stealing boxes from the back of grocery stores to pack our stuff. Because, God, we really believe that this is worth it. And we went about 18 months or so without a paycheck. And I'm telling you, it's real easy to preach a sermon on giving. Way easier than it is to actually practice it when you don't know where the next level of resources are coming from. And maybe you actually know that personally. You ever felt that when you've been kind of backed up financially into a corner and you're like, oh God, oh God, oh God, you better be good. I've got no plan B. You better work. And that's where we were at. God, we, you gotta come through. You gotta be good. And I'm telling you, something shifted in my heart. God broke and grew my heart because I saw every little resource that came into our family. Again, at the time, we had a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and people were saying, what are you doing? We said, no, we believe that God will be faithful. He always has. He always will. And he better be. <laughs> he better be. And He was. And he is. And there are many other folks who did what we did. We are not, certainly not the only ones. And I'm telling you, something shifted and changed in my heart where I saw, okay, God, I get what giving means to you. When it comes from a place of gratitude, when it comes from me looking and going, God, the, 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 I'm, I'm going to be faithful. I don't know how it's all going to work. And I'm telling you, that is where God began to grow such love for giving for me. And Gene and I are actually in a place, when we, when we started the church, we went to an organization that helps like churches get started. They give money to help churches get started. We met, met with them, and we hoping they'd give us lots of money, and uh, they didn't. And this was shocking and surprising to me. And in fact, what he did say at the time, he goes, hey, I want to give you guys a vision. I know you're starting this church. I know you're kind of going all in. I want to give you guys a vision for your lives. Wouldn't it be cool if the lead pastors of this church, you and Jeannie, actually grew in such a way that you grew your giving every year? He's like, how cool would it be over the course of your lifetime, to be giving more than you're living off of. I said, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard in my life. Not only are you not giving me money, you're saying that I should give more money. Like, this makes no sense. And like that little seed that Paul talks about, something was planted in our hearts of, okay, but what if? What if we could actually raise our kids in a family far from perfect, where they got that giving is a part of our life with God. Where they got that God comes first. Where we every year and thank God I don't know how by the grace of God have been able to increase what we give to God every year. And in fact, over the next two years, Gene and I are positioned and set to give more than we've ever given before, because I know God's good. It's not because I'm awesome. If left to myself, I'll grab anything left on the table. But when I get God's goodness and I start from a place of gratitude, giving grows in me. And when I take that leap to start giving, gratitude grows in me. That's my story. What's yours? What do you want your story to be with God? To to, to be with your resources? What do you want? I mean, what do you want to be true? Of you. I could tell you all the struggles, all the tears, all the fighting with God, but what's your story? And then here's the part that I want you to understand that I can't possibly explain to you God is so faithful and so good. And something crazy happens. There's no math that can explain this, there's no numbers I can put on the board no magical formula i can't i all i can tell you is from my own life the more i have trusted the goodness of god the more i've seen his goodness in my life and maybe it's always been there but my eyes are more open to see it i can't explain it to you that the more i trust god and say okay god i'm start i'm going to go in god the more and more aware I become of his blessing, his goodness, his hand of provision in my life, and I would not have seen it had I not started somewhere. I can't explain to you how it all works, but I I long for you to experience that as one of your pastors and friends. I long for you to experience the goodness of God, to see it maybe like you've never seen it before, to experience it personally in your life. So, we're going to wrap up here and we're going to sing a song together. But before we do, there's not going to, we're going to receive our offering in a moment. That's, there's nothing magical or special about that. We're not going to have you fill out a card or do anything like that. I just want you to really consider what you want your story to be. And I would encourage you to take this next step. It's the only next step I'm going to offer to you today. I would encourage you to take it. I'd encourage you to go to our website, soulcitychurch.com giving. And I want you to read what's there. There's some messages there. Again, some amazing teaching there on giving, some incredible resources to help just even with other financial realities. If you're in debt, there's some amazing like, worksheets, all kinds of awesome resources. And I want you to prayerfully consider, like Paul talked about, to determine in your heart what part of the story are you going to play. And maybe you've never given before and you're like, man, this messes with everything I believe, or I'm not sure, I worked so hard to get here, would you at least then pray and say, God, what are you leading me to do? And I'd encourage you to pray about becoming a consistent, regular giver. And here's why. That's how this church continues to be able to keep in step with what God is doing and plan for the future that God is leading us into. I hope, make no apologies about that. It is better for you to give joyfully, faithfully, and consistently to God out of a heart that is open and trusting to him than to hold on to it as long as you can. I'm just telling you that from my story. And I would long for that to be your story. And you're all, we're all going to start in different places. Or maybe you've been giving for a while, and your financial realities have changed one way or the other, but your giving has not. Would you prayerfully consider, God, are you asking me to increase? Are you asking me to step out and more? God, I've gotten real comfortable with this. Maybe there's more, God. Maybe I've just been throwing a couple bucks in, but God, I wanna be consistent and faithful. All I would ask you to do is to go and to prayerfully consider and let God lead you so that when we receive our offering, when you give, there is a spirit of joy that wells up within you because you are a part of something way bigger than you that goes way beyond you in your lifetime. So I want to pray for us and encourage you to do that. We're going to receive our offering, like I said, and here's what I'm going to ask as we do. There's a, a little prayer we're going to pray. Normally, we pass the buckets, you know, and you kind of watch it go by and wonder who, where it goes after that. Here's what I want you to do. As the bucket comes, I want you to say just one of two breath prayers, or maybe both. And you can, maybe as one hand grabs the bucket, you say this one, and the next one, you can say this one. Here's the two prayers. They're really simple. Anyone can pray these prayers. The first one is thank you. As that bucket comes, just let this be a moment for you, regardless of whether you put anything in or not. It's not even about that right now. Thank you. Just stop and say, you know what, God, thank you. Thank you for how you've blessed and protected and provided for me in my life. Thank you. And then the second prayer, maybe you say that as you breathe in, thank you. And then as you breathe out, help me. God, that's a prayer that I pray on a daily basis. God, help me. Help me to sort this all out in my heart, God. Help me to not just respond naturally because that's what I tend to do. I want to hold on to it as tight as I can but to respond supernaturally and to say, God, I want to give to you as you've been so good to me. God, thank you and God, help me. And I'd encourage as you do to go, God, I, to make a commitment to praying through, God, what part would you have me play in what you're doing through this little local church in the city of Chicago? So let me pray for us and then we'll say our little prayers we do and receive our offering and sing together. Would you join me in a prayer right now? God, we do. We just say thank you. Thank you. We don't even have to know you all that well or for all that long to know that you are good and you've been faithful to us. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that you did not spare anything. You held nothing back. You even offered your own son so that we could actually have life in you. Jesus, You are God's gift to us. Thank you, God. Thank you for life in you, life because of you, life with you, life through you. And help me, God, help me. Help me to do this more than I talk about it. Help me, God, help our church to really grow in this regard. Help us, God, to be a gift and a blessing to others, to this city, that this city might take notice of a group of outrageously generous people who love you and who love others really well and see our resources as something much greater than they appear. Help us, God, to do so, and we pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us to offer all of who we are to all of who you are. It's in your name that we give and we sing. Amen.